For the last time of the season, Neil Orfield and I, we're doing the NFL Tournament Strategy Show sponsored by Jock Market. Do us a favor, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm sure Neil and I will be back doing these tournament strategy shows for next year, but there's nothing to do next week because the football season is going to be over. Something else you guys should be checking out. Neil is doing a new uh, interview style podcast slash YouTube show. He just did his first one with awesome Alex Baker. And I think that's something you guys should be checking out. A little bit different form of content. Uh, Neil, how, how would you push this to the people? What should they know about the new thing you've got going on? Yeah, so I'm going to bring on a variety of guests. Uh, I'm hoping to bring on some guests that you probably don't hear from much, some professional great DFS players that you know don't really do content. Uh, I'm just hoping to bring on a lot of unique guests. And then guys like Alex, uh, hopefully I'll have you on at some point, Greg, since uh, I'll miss you at some point this uh, <laughs> Between our between our NFL shows, I'll have to bring you on in the middle so that we can get, get a little taste of Greg. Um, but uh, yeah, with guests that do a lot more content, I'm going to try to ask more unique questions. Uh, I think often guys that do a lot of content get kind of asked the same questions over and over. So I'm going to try to bring kind of new light. And it's not going to be all DFS. It's not really a strategy show. Um, probably, probably the guys you don't hear from that often, I'll do a little bit more strategy, talk about their strategy a little bit more just because you don't hear it as often. Whereas like Alex, he talks about his strategy all the time. He's done shows specifically about strategy. How do you utilize the tools? So I didn't focus on it quite as much, but uh, yeah, it's going to be, I think it'll be a fun show. I think it's going to be a, lot, a good time. One other thing that I want to mention before we get started, we do have a giveaway going on right now. If you go to Osmo underscore com, which is our Twitter account for the, for the company, we're doing giveaway there. All you have to do is look at the pin tweet and respond. Who's going to have more passing yards between Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford? And we're going to take one random winner and they'll be ant- uh, entered for a chance to win a free year of Osmo Plus Platinum. So really simple. All you have to do, find that pin tweet, go over to Twitter, respond. Who is more passing yards, Matthew Stafford or Joe Burrow? And you know, we're going to start by talking about the quarterbacks here. So I just want to kind of lead into that this way. Who do you think is more passing yards tomorrow, Stafford or Burrow? Oh, man. So I haven't looked at the actual projections for passing yards. I think in a vacuum, I'd probably have to say Stafford would be my guess off the top of my head, just because uh, I think the Rams have the better defense. So it seems likely that Stafford will have more passing yards. They both got great weapons. So I'll go Stafford. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going with Stafford as well. And I mean, I've I've been bringing this up during the week. One thing also, Super Bowl content. It's probably actually my least favorite thing to do content for. You know, what a way to start a, a Super Bowl show. But here's the real I've been talking about this same game for two weeks now. And you get to a point where it's like, how many more things do I have to possibly say about the same game today that I didn't say yesterday, the day before, or a week ago, other than we we have a little bit more of a concrete idea of which tight ends are in now, which is gonna help us when we talk about tight ends later. But it is Stafford for me. And I think the Rams should be bigger favorites in this game. I have really big concerns about just the Bengals' offensive line. We've already seen it in the playoffs once. We saw Joe Burrow get sacked nine times in a game against the Titans. Then you think he's going up against this really difficult Rams defense that obviously it was Aaron, Aaron Donald and, and Von Miller on the other side. It is not difficult for me to see a scenario where just Joe Burrow has, a trouble, find, has trouble finding time to be in the pocket and throw the football. So I'm favoring the Rams in this game. I think the defensive line of the Rams is going to give the offensive line of the Bengals issues. So I also prefer Stafford to Joe Burrow. Now talking about this game from a DFS standpoint, single game contest, how are you going to be approaching the quarterbacks, Stafford and Joe Burrow? I think that I will have probably not two different ownership for both of them. I think I'm going to be about even with the field. They both look like pretty neutral plays uh, in the single games tool. I haven't built out my lineups yet for this. Sometimes I do that uh, before I do these showdown shows, but it's it's Saturday. The game's not until tomorrow. I haven't actually gone through and built them out. I would expect that I'm going to have similar ownership for both of them. One interesting thing is they both look better in the flex spot than the captain spot. Both of them look like they're going to be over-owned in the captain spot, which I think I, I generally like to play quarterbacks uh, in the captain spot, especially quarterbacks like this that have a variety of weapons, but both of them look like they're a few percentage points over-owned in the captain spot. So I think I'll have a good amount of both of them in the utility spot uh, for sure. And I haven't really decided where I'm going to go, how, how much I'm going to have of these guys in the captain spot. I do think that this is, this is the kind of game where um, I like Burrow better because of the Rams good defense because I can pair him with the Rams defense uh, to get unique just because you know typically on on main slates that's obviously not something that I would want to do uh, but because it's a one game slate 
half of the battle is just getting unique, trying to, if you win, win big, not win with a thousand other people. And I think that's one way you can go is uh, pairing Joe Burrow with the Rams defense because maybe they have a pick six, maybe they have six sacks. You know, the Rams defense can put up a lot of points and Joe Burrow can still have a big game. So I think I, I prefer Joe Burrow in that sense, but I think I'm probably going to have a uh, pretty comparable, you know, something right around 50% of each so it's hard to, and I'm in the same boat as you. If you look at our projections right now, we have both the quarterbacks being a little bit overowned, but nothing crazy, right? Slight negative leverage. Here's one thing, though, that I think we kind of have to compare these players for. And it's, you know, it's tricky to go position by position on a one game slate just because positions don't actually matter for the way that the FanDuel and DraftKings, uh, you know, the, the pricing works, but it's just an easy way to organize the show. But with that said, Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford are only marginally cheaper than Cooper Cup on DraftKings. And the same goes for FanDuel also. Cooper Cup is 16K, 15.5 for Stafford, 15,000 for Joe Burrow. And I think Cooper Cup is such a superior option to those two because the floor for Cooper Cup is so high. The ceiling is also ridiculously high that if I'm really going to prioritize Cooper Cup, just kind of naturally for me, that ends up with me being a little bit underweight to the field on Stafford and Burrow. And then as popular as Cooper Cup is expected to be, if you look at our, our our single game simulation tool, we have Cooper Cup as one of the most under-owned players on the entire slate. And when that also happens to c- connect to uh, there being a lot of the cheaper guys also be under-owned, then you just kind of look and be like, okay, I have all this value of under-owned players. Who's the guy I'm going to pay up for? You go, oh, well, Cooper Cup is a ridiculously high ceiling and he's projected to be under-owned. By that, like Cooper Cup is just somebody I'm going to be jamming in. That kind of minimizes the amount that I get to Stafford and Joe to Joe Bo, relative to a one game slate. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the receiving options in this game are just so good overall, and obviously Cooper Cup is just an outlier. All we, we're not talking about wide receivers yet, I guess, but uh, I feel like Cup is one of those guys that all year I was like, he's going to have a bad game eventually, right? Like he has to, and then he would have a half where he only has one catch. And then in the second half, he puts up 30 fantasy points. He's just, he does it every week. Uh, and obviously the expectation is that that's going to happen again, uh, according to our tools. So yeah, I agree with you. It makes the quarterbacks a little bit less interesting just because the receiving options are both uh, expensive as, as expensive as uh, the quarterbacks, but also more likely to hit than the quarterbacks. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's a really good point that we're, you're going to have to kind of choose between whether you're going to play both quarterbacks or you're going to put in Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, uh, and oftentimes it's going to be the wide receivers winning out. I've had one bad game the entire season, including the regular season and the playoffs, and he didn't get hurt. He had a game week four against the Cardinals. It was a game the Rams just didn't play well. Cup had five catches for 64 yards, so he finished with 11.4 DraftKings points. He was still targeted 13 times in that game. It was just a bad game for the Rams offense. He scored at least 16 fantasy points in every other game this year, and you know, one of those games also was a week uh, 19 game against the Cardinals. It was a blowout where the Rams didn't really need to play their starters big minutes. He scored 17 fantasy points in that game. And there's a pretty realistic chance the cup could score 17 fantasy points, which is kind of his floor for the regular season and would still land in the optimal lineup if the value plays too well. So I find it really hard to avoid Cooper cup. I know we're talking about the quarterbacks now, but I think it's all pertinent. When we're talking about them together, uh, moving over to the running back situation and I think the Rams, the Rams now three-headed monster, which I guess we'll call it that way, because it seems like Sony Michelle, Daryl Henderson, and Cam Akers are all going to be on the field at some point today. How are you going to be approaching the situation? Because I'd find this to be one of the trickier talking points of the entire slate, but maybe also the spot where we could find the most leverage for tournaments. Yeah, unfortunately, I agree with you. It's just not a really clear-cut spot, uh, and and the ownership kind of reflects that. Cam Akers is the highest owned of the three highest projected ownership, but also the only one that has a positive leverage score. Um, he has a, a slightly positive leverage score. So we're expecting Cam Akers to be the lead back here. Uh, and Cincinnati's defense, you know, isn't, isn't great against the run. It's pretty neutral against the run. So if Cam Akers is running the ball, maybe he'll finally be kind of good. He's been pretty bad since he's come back in, in terms of yards per carry, he hasn't looked great. So you'd think that maybe these coaches are seeing the under three yards per carry and thinking maybe we should give Daryl Henderson a try. Uh, but I don't think there's any guarantee that that's going to happen. They seem to be trying to jam cam makers in there, hoping that he can get going, uh, be kind of the lead back that they want. So I think I'm probably going to be 
Uh, if Daryl Henderson's really only 6.4% owned, if that's where the projection stays, I'll probably be over the field on Daryl Henderson despite that negative leverage score, just because even if he's not the most likely to score, he is the one that is cheap enough that you know if Daryl Henderson scores a touchdown, he's probably going to be optimal at 1,600 in this game. I think uh, most likely he would be optimal if he scores a touchdown. I don't know if that's the case with Sony Michelle. If Sony Michelle doesn't do anything else, he scores a touchdown at 5,000. There's no guarantee that he's in the optimal. So I think Daryl Henderson's the one that I find the most interesting just because of the low ownership and the low price tag and the way the other guys have struggled. But it's definitely not a high confidence play. I don't think there are any really great value plays that I have a lot of confidence in this game. There, there have been showdown slates where I'm like, this guy, it doesn't make sense how low their ownership is. That's really not the case in this game. There's no like standout options for me. So I think I'll probably be close to the field, maybe a little bit above the field on Cam Akers. Uh, Sony Michelle, maybe I'll be a right around. He's only projected for 6.8% ownership. Uh, so I think... I'll probably have a couple of shares, at least of Sony Michelle. Maybe I'll get too close to that ownership, maybe a little bit under. And then Daryl Henderson, even though he's negative leverage, I think I'd, I'd just for the sake of being unique, even if it's unlikely, I think that uh, still might be a plus EV kind of play. So I might try to go a little bit above the field on Daryl Henderson. Uh, do you see things differently? What do you think you're going to do with the Rams backfield? No, I mean, relative to ownership, the guy I'm most overweight to right now is Henderson. And it's for the reason you just mentioned, it's hard to find value in this game. And Henderson is really cheap. And here's the reason it's hard to find value in this game. We, we're at the Super Bowl now. So a, a couple of factors here. Number one, we have a good idea of what everybody's production is at this point in the season. So everybody's about appropriately priced because we know what these guys' roles are at this season. Also, point two, there are injuries constantly over the course of the NFL season. It's the Super Bowl, so pretty much everybody's playing. I know Tyler Higby's out, but for the most part, everybody who normally plays is in. And they've had another week of recovery versus what they normally have. So as a result, you know, there's there's few games where players are going to come in as healthy as they will this one. The Super Bowl, you know, we've we got an extra week off, so we don't have those cheap value guys. Well, all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, look, this wide receiver is out. Now we've got this cheap guy who's two hundred dollars. Who is he going to play a massive role? No, except he's probably going to get, you know, four or five targets and run about a bunch of routes. And then we could just say, like, hey, I'm going to build my lineups around some of these cheap value guys. We don't have that option for this week. It doesn't exist. Everybody who's, for the most part, going to be in there. We'll talk about the tight ends later, but it's hard to find value. And Henderson's one of the only realistic sources of value that I think exists on the Bengals side of the game. You know, we've got Samaj P. Ryan, who has some ability to catch the football. He did score 13 fantasy points last week. But you look at his games the week before or the weeks before one fantasy point, zero, two and a half, two and a half. So he's not really all that reliable either. Uh, how are you going to view Piran relative to Daryl Henderson? I think I'll have more of Daryl Henderson uh, at these projected ownerships. Piran, it, it surprises me actually that Piran's his ownership is still relatively low at seven point three percent. I would think more people would react to the game he had last week, uh, scoring the touchdown, and remember that and think, okay, I want to get that guy in at twenty four hundred. Um, but he didn't have a single carry last week. He had he had that touchdown through the air, but he didn't have a carry. Yeah, he just doesn't get involved all that often. Um, so I think of the two of them, I prefer Henderson. I'll still play some P. Ryan just because we haven't projected for 7.3% ownership. We're kind of starved for value. So I'll play some P. Ryan, but of the two of them, I think I prefer Henderson. And then obviously the, the running back who's a role we could feel the best about in this game is Joe Mixon. But with that said... I personally don't love Joe Mixon in this matchup. One is just going to be my own personal bias is how I've said at the top. I think this is a good game for the Rams defensive line, which means a couple of things. It's hard to run the ball if I favor the Rams defensive line in this matchup. But then number two also, I think the Rams are going to win, which doesn't lend itself super well for Joe Mixon individually as a play. And then also Joe Mixon, we have is the most negatively leveraged player on the entire slate. When I start to look at guys I want to spend up for, I like Cooper Cup. I like the quarterbacks to an extent. I like getting to Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon is just a lower priority than those guys. So I'm finding myself well under the field on Joe Mixon. Can you change my mind on that at all? Um, maybe I could. Probably not. I'm probably not <laughs> going to try. Uh, I think I'm kind of on the same page as you. I mean, the, the one the, the positives for Joe Mixon are uh, that he has the the workload. We know he's probably going to get at least 20 carries. He's actually been been receiving a little bit. Uh, more lately. So I guess that's a positive too. Um, but yeah, like you said, he's the most negatively leveraged play on the slate. Uh, he's negative in both the captain and the flex spot. We have projected for 8.3% ownership in the captain spot, <laughs> optimal 4.1% of the time. 
in the captain spot. So I think that Joe Mixon is the kind of player uh, with this workload. I would be hesitant in, in 150 lineups to go to zero Joe Mixon in the captain spot. I'm going to have some. I'm going to kind of force it in there just because would we really be shocked if Joe Mixon, you know, has 100 yards and two, two touchdowns? I think that it could happen even if it's uh, not likely. He's a good enough running back and it's football. Weird things happen uh, if you have the opportunities. So I think that I'll, I'll have Joe Mixon. I'll probably be right around maybe – uh, right around that 4% where he is optimal. Um, even though he's negative leverage, I'll probably get right around 4% Joe Mixon in the captain spot. And yeah, I, I think I'll probably have 25%. I'll be a little bit under the field in the utility spot on Joe Mixon. Um, I think he's going to be, he's a fine play. Uh, you know, it makes some sense to go there just because of the volume, but he is the most expensive. He's almost as expensive as those wide receivers who you just feel a lot more confident in. So I'm probably not going to have a ton of Joe Mixon, but I would also be pretty hesitant to, you know, not include him at all in my player pool. And then do you have any takes on any of the other running backs or any other points? On there? I mean, we've kind of talked about all the running backs, but is there any other running back takes you have? If not, we'll move over to wide out. Uh, not really. I, I don't think I'm really going to take any shots on Chris Evans, even though it's the kind of player that you might think uh, I like to play sometimes just to get different because you do need to get weird to win a lot of money in these things. But he's probably just not going to see a carry. So I don't think I'm going to waste my time with any of the other running backs. Yeah, Chris Evans, multi-talented running back, Captain America, voice of Buzz Lightyear. He does a whole bunch of things. Uh, today's show, sponsored by Jock Market. They have a Super Bowl special going on. Jock Market is hosting a raffle with $7,500 in prizes, and one lucky winner who trades more than $100 receiving uh, will be eligible for a $5,000 grand prize. So Jock Market hosting a free Super Bowl contest, 2,500 in prizes, $500 first place. Check that out. Also, if you're signing up at Jock Market for the first time, use the promo code AWESOME to get up to a $100 bonus on your first deposit. Used to be 50, but once again, they're running some Super Bowl specials. So if you haven't signed up for Jock Market, download the app, take advantage of that, uh, that deposit bonus up to $100, which is always a really good way to build a bankroll. It's free money. All right, moving on to the wide receiver. And I think this is the spot that there's the most to talk about for a couple of reasons. Number one, there's a lot of good options in this game. But then number two, there's just more wide receivers and there are other positions. You know, how much can we talk about running backs when there's two starters? How much can we talk about quarterbacks when there's two starters? But at wideout, there's a whole bunch of guys. And let's start with Cooper Cup. I said before, if I'm spending up for any one player in this game to prioritize, it is Cooper Cup. Is it the same for you? Yeah, I mean, Cooper Cup is just... He's got such a high floor. He's got, I mean, you don't really care about the floor that much uh, in a showdown slate uh, in a big contest, but he's got the highest ceiling too, by, by far. I mean, he puts up 30, 40 points every week and he's just not as expensive as he really should be relative to these quarterbacks. I mean, at what price would you, would Cooper cup have to be for you to not have interest? 15,000. I don't even know what it would be. <laughs> he's just so consistent. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to be over the field on Cooper cup. He's actually a slight negative leverage in the captain spot. We haven't projected for 18% captain ownership, only optimal 16% of the time. I'll probably be right around the field. I think with, with, with Cooper cup, um, if you wanted to just X him out, not playing a Cooper cup, uh, get really weird at the captain and, uh, you know, just try to get unique that way. That's fine. Uh, but I just think that he's still by far the most likely to put up a huge game and his price is not so prohibitive that putting him in the captain spot uh, keeps you from getting to other great options. So yeah, I'm going to have a ton of Cooper cup. Uh, I'll probably be around the field in the captain spot and then over the field in the utility spot uh, where he's projected for 56% ownership in the utility spot. I'm going to get over that for sure. Uh, do, you, do you think you're going to have hundred percent Cooper cup in your lineups or do you think you're going to have at least some without him? All right, so my current build right now, which is obviously far from final, I have about 80% Cooper Cup between my captain and, and flex exposure to him. I found him difficult to get away from. I think the odds of him not landing the optimal lineup are not all that great considering the kind of, uh, kind of production we've had. Like you said, the, the price can't be accurate because if you set the right price for Cooper Cup, you just price him to a point where it's impossible to build lineups with him because he's such a better fantasy producer than anybody else that... If I, you, you made a good point, like what is the fair salary for him? I don't know. It's not 11.6 on DK though, and it's not 1600 on FanDuel, but what do you price him at? Like you make him 15,000 and you just can't build lineups with him, and it's kind of stupid. But as it is now, you just can't convince me he should only be $800 more expensive than Matthew Stafford. Over on FanDuel, he's only $500 more expensive. The, the most recent player I can remember breaking fantasy football in this way was Christian McCaffrey 
a couple of years ago. He did something similar. And we see it in fantasy baseball all the time too with DFS on DK where you have to roster two starting pitchers. And a lot of times the ace starting pitchers are super reliable and consistent, whereas the lower end starters aren't. And that's kind of what Cooper Cup has been because you'll see in fantasy baseball where it's like, oh, this pitcher, he just scores 30 fantasy points every game. But if you price them up to like the 16,000, 15,000 salary they're supposed to be, and you can't build them in lineup. So Cooper Cup's just kind of broken the entire pricing algorithm. Play him. That, that's, that's the only thing I have to say here. Play Cooper Cup. And then once again, just because of how much I like him, it is going to kind of prohibit how much I get to some of the other stars. I like Jamar Chase a lot. I'm underweight to him right now just because of how highly I'm prioritizing Cooper Cup. Uh, does the amount that you're getting to Cooper Cup limit the amount you get to chase at all? Yeah, I'm sure that it will. Um, I, I, I mean, I, like I said, I haven't built my lineups out yet, but Chase is negatively leveraged, which is kind of what I would expect just given that his price tag is so close to Cooper Cups. Uh, I know we don't really play the game that often of individual matchups. Um, we do expect that Jamar Chase will be covered by Jalen Ramsey, I would think. I'm sure that some people have uh, that in their minds. Um, and I think that, honestly, I think that that's fine. Typically, we don't factor those things in. But if you want to write that narrative in your head, I think that's kind of what you need to do in a case like this. You might want to write the narrative of, okay, uh, Jamar Chase is going to get shut down. Then build build a lineup with that in mind. What do you think is going to happen? Does that mean that Joe Burrow is going to be shut down? Is he just not going to be effective because Jalen Ramsey is shutting down Jamar Chase? Do you think he's going to pivot to his other receivers, uh, you know, still have a great game? And then do you want to build a lineup with T Higgins and Tyler Boyd? I think those are the kind of things that you need to think about when you're building lineups uh, for showdown. Um, I think that, I mean, that's, that's not something that I am uh, really factoring in too much. I'm not, uh, I'm not hand building. So I'm kind of going, uh, I'll have some lineups that probably um, have both Chase and Higgins. And uh, I think that um, ultimately, I think I'm going to be a little bit under the field on Chase. I think that he's fine in the captain spot. I think he makes more kind of sense there with that narrative in mind. If you think that Jalen Ramsey can't shut down Jamar Chase, maybe he'll have a big game. Maybe make some sense in the captain spot. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I think just because he is the same price as or very slightly cheaper than those quarterbacks and uh, and Cooper Cup. I think that I'm probably just not going to get to a ton of Jamar Chase. Um, I still I like him better than Joe Mixon. I'm going to get to more Jamar yep. Chase than Joe Mixon, even though he's not uh, he's a little bit more expensive. Um, but yeah, I just I it's hard for me to get there too much just because of the price tag and the other players around him. So as far as spend up options go, I agree with you. I have. Uh, making a tier of them by themselves. Here's where it currently is. The dummy build I have. Cooper Cup, the most exposure to. Stafford, two. Burrow, three. Chase, four. Mixon, five. That's where I currently land on ownership in terms of the, the payup options. But now I'm going to ask you, if there are lineups where we aren't playing Jamar Chase, do you think you're more apt to play T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd in those lineups? I do think so. So even though I don't really factor in Jalen Ramsey that much, I just think that those guys are great ways to save money. And I think that generally this is going to be a game where there's uh, two passing attacks. I think there's going to be a lot of passing involved in this game. And those guys aren't as expensive as the quarterbacks. So I think that they make uh, great options for getting away from Jamar Chase. Um, Tyler Boyd has... Uh, both of those guys are two of the most positively leveraged plays on this slate. T Higgins is actually the most highly positively leveraged uh, plays on this slate. Tyler Boyd is fourth. So I think just overall, I'm going to be getting to a lot more uh, of those guys than Jamar Chase because of the price tags. I'm kind of surprised that Tyler Boyd isn't getting more ownership than he is and that he isn't uh, more positively leveraged based on the ownership that he is at. He's only projected for 26% ownership in the utility spot, and he is optimal 30% of the time. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable getting to even more than uh, 30%. I'll probably get 40% or so of Tyler Boyd just because of the price tag at 5,400. And then T Higgins, I'm going to get a lot of him in both the captain spot and the utility spot. I think that he is the most positively leveraged uh, captain, uh, I'm not positive about that. It's close, at least. Uh, T. Higgins is projected for only 8.5% captain ownership. He's optimal 10.9% of the time. I'm going to get over that. I'm going to get at least 15%, I think, T. Higgins in the captain spot. He just He's too good um, for the price tag. He allows you to do so much more in your lineups than guys like Cooper Cup in the quarterback. So I think I'm going to have a lot of 
both both Higgins and Boyd in the captain spot as well as the utility spot. Uh, do you think you're going to be playing a lot of those guys? Do you think you're going to be playing them? Do you think you'll have any lineups where you have all three of them, Higgins, Boyd, uh, and Chase, or do you think you're going to be kind of limiting yourself to two? Um, I think just the way the pricing works, I'm probably going to be limited to two. I'm, I'm checking my lineups really quickly to see if I have any with all three uh, of the lineups I built right now. I'm just kind of scanning it. I mean, I'm sure there's a couple of them, uh, but nothing really too significant. I mean, the other thing too is I, I don't have that much exposure to Jamar Chase in my build right now. It's more where I would even have the many lineups that could have all three. I have more exposure to Tyler Boyd and T Higgins right now. It's not something that makes me feel the most confident in the world because Jamar Chase obviously is terrific. He has big play upside. And it's not hard to envision a scenario where the Bengals are on their second drive of the game. Jamar Chase catches a 70-yard touchdown pass. And I'm like, well, uh, Super Bowl lineups are dead. There's no more DFS for like five days because or there's no more. There's uh, the NBA All-Star break coming up, and I'm not going to have much DFS to play coming up. But either way, I mean, we've got Jamar Chase as being a negative leverage player. I want to pay up for Cooper Cup. And the opportunity cost of that is... I, if I want to pay up for Cooper Cup, I can't get to as much Jamar Chase. So I'm, I'm higher on Tyler Boyd. I'm higher on T. Higgins. And I do think that something that's going to impact Tyler Boyd's ownership also is he just hasn't been good the last two weeks. And so many people will gravitate towards those box scores. And I think when they're making a decision for a cheaper wideout to play, I think they want to get away from Tyler Boyd just to look and be like, oh, he scored six and four fantasy points in his last two games. That's not something I'm really enthralled with. And then people will look at oh, look, Jamar Chase has, has had bigger games. So they'll look at T. Higgins and they'll say like, oh, look, T. Higgins, 16 plus fantasy points in each of the last two games. So just based on that and that he's so much cheaper than Tyler Boyd is my favorite of the Bengals wideouts. Yeah, I think I think he's probably my favorite too. T. Higgins is not far behind. They're both yeah. appropriately priced, I would say, and not getting enough ownership to drive me away from them. Would you ever consider, so So I just asked you if you have any lineups with all three of them, would you ever even consider, if you were hand-building, playing all three of those receivers without Joe Burrow just to get super unique? Or is that something that is too unique? It's too thin of a margin for all three of them to get there without taking Joe Burrow along. So that's the issue is I'm just thinking like logically, right? What does Joe Burrow's stat line look like if Tyler Boyd, Teagans, and Jamar Chase all have big games? It's right. Well, like we're we're relying on a Super Bowl trick play, right? Like some kind of end around to Tyler Boyd. He throws a touchdown to, to Jamar Chase. Absent of that, it's hard to envision a realistic scenario. You know, uh, maybe Burrow gets hurt or something, but it's really hard to envision a realistic scenario where Boyd, Higgins, Chase are all optimal without Joe Burrow. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I mean, maybe 500 yards and and no touchdowns is a scenario where he's just <laughs> passing it to them. They fail at the one yard line every time, but it's pretty unlikely. Uh, so I, I think that I would probably not have all three of them without Joe Burrow in my lineup, which probably means that I won't have all three of them because then you're getting to kind of a lot of money with both Burrow and Chase. And then Higgins is, you know, not cheap enough to really save you there. So I think it's probably unlikely that I'll get to all three, at least any kind of volume. Um, But it's an interesting thought, just, just thinking through the scenarios of would it be possible for all three of these guys to get there without Joe Burrow? And like you say, it's pretty unlikely it would be, you know, he's not throwing touchdowns, but he's throwing a lot of short passes. Maybe they each have like 10 yard, 10 receptions for like four yards each. I don't know. It's a, it's an unlikely scenario. So probably not something that I'll do. Yeah. And I'm trying to think now also a scenario where I'd have all three and what does the game script look like? The Bengals win like 48 to 10 or something like that. So maybe it's a scenario where we're looking at Joe Burrow, all three of the, all three of the wideouts, and then a punt play from the Rams. And you're just looking for a Bengals onslaught and a blowout. I, I guess that, but yeah, probably not something I'm going to really be looking to go down. Uh, but I do like the Bengals cheap wide receivers a lot more than the Rams cheaper wide receivers between guys like Van Jefferson, Odell Beckham Jr., I'm just not getting to a whole lot of them compared to the amount that I get to Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. What are you going to be doing with the secondary wideouts for the Rams? Yeah. So it's interesting. I, I really am really interested in Van Jefferson. I don't love that. He's only projected for 5% less ownership than Tyler Boyd. Cause I think that of the two of them, I prefer Boyd probably. I don't know. It, it, it's close for me. I actually, I really, I'm interested in Van Jefferson just because he has that big play upside. Uh, and I, I am expecting the Rams to have more yards. So maybe I take it back. I, I'm I'm kind of, I might have more Van Jefferson than Tyler Boyd. I think they'll be pretty close to me. I'm just, he, he has been a little bit banged up. Uh, so you don't love that. But I think two weeks off, I'm expecting him to probably be fully uh, a full go for the Super Bowl. Um, so 
Yeah, I definitely have some interest in Van Jefferson just because he has not had that big game recently and he's only projected for 20% ownership. So I like the ownership level there at, at 5,200. So I think that I, I, I like Van Jefferson a little bit more than you do. He's also, he's positively leveraged in the captain spot, project for 4% captain ownership, optimal 5.5% of the time. So I'm going to be above the field on Van Jefferson uh, for sure. It's, it's I'm, I'm undecided right now who I like better between Jefferson and Boyd, because I think that, you know, Jefferson has the better matchup against the Bengals defense. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's kind of a, a tough call there. They're both kind of just because Van Jefferson's a little bit lower owned, it makes makes it kind of a toss up for me there. Um, you you definitely like Boyd better than Jefferson at just two hundred dollars more. Yeah, and I think there's a couple of things here with Van Jefferson. Is it's he had big upside at the beginning of the year, but it's really dropped off since they got Odo Beckham Jr. I have to think there's a correlation there. There is another thing too, which is he's been hurt. He's been playing with a knee brace. The knee is banged up. So there's a couple of things here, which is the, the Beckham situation is one thing that's limited his production. I think the knee injury is something else, but maybe the, the extra week off has helped Van Jefferson get healthy in preparation for the Super Bowl. Uh, but either way, I'm looking at it. If I'm looking at secondary receivers, I do prefer Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins uh, to Van Jefferson for this particular spot. Are there, are there any cheap punt wide receivers that you really do gravitate towards? I mean, obviously there are guys we could look at as, as flyers in this game, but are there any of them that you actually have logic to think that they're worth more than being a flyer? A reason you think they really should do well? No, I don't think there's anybody else that I'm like confident in playing that I think is, you know, really undervalued. Ben Skaronic is a positively leveraged play in the tools right now, which honestly, that kind of shocks me uh, that he that he is positively leveraged. He's projected for 9.2% ownership in the utility spot. I see that and I think, oh, well, that's way too high. I'm going to have 0% of him. But then I see he's actually positively leveraged. That just kind of surprises me. Um, I don't want to get too, I'm not going to get too far above the field on Ben Skaronic. I don't think that he's the kind of play that's just too cheap for his price tag. He's the fourth, the fourth option there. If we're expecting Van Jefferson to be, a uh, full go, then Skaronic might not really might not see a target the whole game. So yeah, there, there's I have no confidence in any of the other receivers be besides the top three uh, for both teams. Not only might Skaronic not have a target today, it's the most likely or tomorrow. It's the most likely scenario. He's had a total of one target in the playoffs to this point. So the most likely scenario is that he does not catch a pass and. Even some of the games where he did do better, you know, keep in mind, it was earlier in the season when there was no Odell Beckham Jr. in the mix. So, uh, Skoranek, I think the, the reason he rates out as positive leverage is just because he's going to be on the field and he might have one catch for three yards or something like that. And there's so many high-priced skill position players with upside in this game. I don't think the optimal, I don't think the route to Skoranek landing in the optimal lineup is him having like 15 fantasy points. I think the route to him landing in the optimal lineup is Cooper Cup is 30. Jamar Chase is 25. That means Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford both have big games. And then it's just like, oh, my, you just need to have a cheap guy in there somewhere. And then it's which cheap guy scores any fantasy points. And I guess he's probably more likely than any of the other cheap guys. Would, would, do you think that's correct? Yeah, anybody that's below 1,000, he's, he's probably the, the highest upside. I think that's totally correct. He could, he might be, he might put up two and a half fantasy points. He needs to <laughs> score at least some fantasy points because he needs to outscore the guys that are cheaper than him. Um, but he, need, he could be one catch for 15 yards just allows you to get to all of the other high end options. Cause there are a lot of really, you know, more expensive uh, options that look really good in this game. So I think you're spot on that. It's uh, it's not where he's simming out and putting up 20 fantasy points. It's where he's simming out and putting up three or four and he allows you to get to the optimal because there are so many other players who go off. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. Uh, any other talking points for you at, at wideout? Um, no, I don't think so. I guess, would you ever play Skaronic and Van Jefferson together? I guess I'm thinking that maybe Skaronic also benefits from a Van Jefferson injury. If Jefferson yeah. is a little bit banged up, then Skaronic could see a little bit more of the field. Uh, with that, then would you be hesitant to play Jefferson with Skaronic? Not really, just because he's so cheap and all it takes is one catch at his price point. It's something I've been talking about with NBA a lot recently is we've had these slates where because of the trade deadline, all of a sudden everybody's traded from a team and then it's, oh, look, we've got six viable players that are min-priced and you know who cares about negative correlation when we're looking at multiple guys that are cheap? And that's kind of how I look at this too. You know, It's not crazy to think Van Jefferson catches a touchdown pass and Skoranek catches you know, two or three passes. Could be enough at his price point. He doesn't need to do that much. So is there negative leverage? Yes, but it doesn't matter when he's so cheap. 
yeah, I think I think I'm on the same page as you. I'd be willing to play, and a lot of people probably won't. So it's also a way to get a little bit unique. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of covers the receivers for me. All right, let's talk about a new sponsor. Then it's called Breaks of God. Fantasy sports fans, what if you caught a break with a potential net at a couple hundred thousand dollars with less than a hundred dollar investment? We have great news because breaksofgod.com is the place to catch that break. Breaks of God is the latest sports card collecting trend to catch fire in America, and it's how sports cards collectors of all ages are building high-value card collections without huge investments or risk. This is something Neil had said that he did before. It's something my brother does. I don't know exactly what it is that my brother's doing, but apparently it's this because he'll be on his computer, be like, look at this card I got. And I'll say, well, how'd you do this? And he's explaining breaks to me. And I'm like, I don't really know how to get involved in it, but apparently it's with this, uh, this uh, Breaks of God company where right here, you could have minimal investment and you have a chance to get a really valuable card in exchange. So uh, you could get a 1500, you get an uh, exposure to a $1,500 box of cards for less than $100 here. So all you have to do to learn about how you could hit big and get 30% off your first break, go to breaksofgod.com slash Osmo, breaksofgod.com slash Osmo, you get 30% off your first break. And uh, also make sure to follow them on Instagram at Breaks of God. So that is uh, breaksofgod.com at Breaks of God on Instagram. Get in on uh, card breaks and get 30% off on your first one. All right, let's move on to the tight ends now, Neil. And the tight end position, it, it became a little weird for this slate because we don't have any of the you know typical super high price tight ends here, but Tyler Higby, who seem to be trending in the wrong direction, has now officially been ruled out. So we've got CJ Uzoma, who's going to play, but who knows how healthy Uzoma is because he looked like he suffered a devastating knee injury a couple of weeks ago. He had to be carted off the field. Uh, what are you going to be doing with the tight ends in this spot? Because individually, I don't think any of them are terrific-looking fantasy plays in terms of just you know fantasy points. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page as you. Uh, like I said earlier, there, there's no really low-end plays that I have high confidence in. Um, I think that the the Uzama situation makes me a little bit interested in Drew Sample if he's going to be under 4% owned. I think I'll get above that number um, just as a, you know, maybe Uzama plays, but he's limited and Drew Sample gets in there for half the snaps. Uh, he's expensive enough that I don't love it. I, I, if Drew Sample were 200 at 4% owned, I think I get to a ton of Drew Sample. Uh, but because he's 4,200, again, he's not cheap enough that even one 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 yard catch for a touchdown makes him optimal. Like I think that he could have a one yard catch for a touchdown. He'd probably be optimal in that scenario, but this could be a high scoring game uh, and he might not be at 4,200. It's just not cheap enough to really make him a slam dunk. He kind of needs to have put up a little bit more than that. So I don't love the play, but I think that just because he's under 4% owned and we're kind of starved for options, I think uh, Drew Sample will be a little bit above the field. Um, Uzama, yeah, I'm hesitant there. I just, uh, He's probably uh, the better option than Kendall Blanton. I think he looks better in the tools than I think Blanton is actually one of our most negatively leveraged plays. Yeah, he's our second most negatively leveraged play right now. Uh, so don't love Blanton, um, although he does play. He, he played all of the snaps, I think, or just about all of the snaps after Higby went down last week. So he should have opportunities. Uh, it's just that we haven't projected for 11% ownership, and he's not priced like a backup tight end should be. So he, he's priced basically the same as Higby. Uh, obviously Higby's out now, but so he, he was priced knowing that he might be the starting tight end. So he wasn't priced down, uh, you know, so we didn't get a, a surprise with Higby out there. So I think they'll probably be not too far under the field on Blanton, even though he is uh, the most leveraged by far, I'm going to have some, um, but based on the tools, I don't think it would be totally unreasonable to just X him out and not play any Blanton. If you're in, if you're only playing 20 lineups, because I'm playing 150, I think I'll get to some. Um, I think Uzama is probably the more interest. I guess I like, I guess I like both of the Bengals uh, tight ends better than the Rams tight ends. Do you see it differently than me there? No, it would have been interesting if we would have had Kendall Bland, like you said, if if there wasn't if the Higby news or if there wasn't a reaction to Higby and you know Kendall Blanton, because we have the historical pricing logged in fantasy country for the entire season, he's been two hundred dollars for for showdown contest the entire season. We would have some interesting decisions to make if Kendall Bland was going to be chalk at two hundred dollars. I just don't know. I want to pay him pay forty six hundred dollars for him over on DK. And then on FanDuel, we have Blanton at uh, 8000 That's also a pretty steep price tag to pay for him. They've just looked at, at his salary and gone, hey, we're going to make him the same thing Higby normally is. 
And Blanton's not as good as Higby. He was targeted five times last week. He had 57 receiving yards, but that's not really quite enough to get it done. We've got Tyler Boyd in the same price point. You know, Van Jefferson's along around the same price point. There's higher upside guys in the salary range, in my opinion. Yep, I agree with you. Yeah, so so do you think you'll get to any Drew Sample? He is currently projected for he, he according to the tools, he has a zero percent chance of being optimal in either the captain or the flex spot. That obviously assumes that CJ Uzama is a full go. I think that the tools assume Uzama is a full go. I'm not totally confident that he's a full go, so I'm going a little bit away from the tools in the tight end spot. Um, I I might be a little bit hesitant to play both Uzama and Sample in the same lineup just because. Uh, samples not men Bryce. So I think that it would be tough for both Uzama and Sample to get there. Do you think you would ever play the two of them together? Do you think you're going to, are you going to play any Drew Sample anyway? I don't think so. You go through his entire season. The most fantasy points he scored the entire season was 6.6. And that's his ceiling for the entire year, his most recent games. And don't forget too, last week, there, there really was no Uzama. He got hurt you know, very, very early in the game. So Sample was the tight end for the majority of the game. He was targeted twice. He caught one catch for four yards. It would be a totally different situation if he was $200, $400 where he was a punt play, but that's not the case. And, you know, FanDuel, the pricing is so much different over there. I don't really feel that much of a desire to play him for anything other than if you just want to say, hey, it's a, you know, it's a one game slate and you're contrarian by playing him. Fair enough. Right? Like who could, I, I can't, I can't push back against that on a one game slate, but if somebody was telling me, they're playing one or three or five lineups and ask, should they play Drew Sample? I would say no. Yep, I'm with you. And, and I think he's only in play in the largest field GPPs. I definitely, definitely am not playing him in cash. Uh, I'm not playing him in, in smaller field GPPs. I think that he's only in play in probably the Millie Maker contest is really the only place that I would play Drew Sample. And there I have some interest in him and it's only an ownership play. It's not, uh, I'm confident that Drew Sample is going to get half the snaps. It's not that even if he, if he, if Uzama turns out doesn't play at all, I don't think that there's that high of a likelihood that Drew Sample actually works out, even if Uzama doesn't play at all, just because they don't really target him that much. Um, obviously, in that case, I would like to have him at under 4% ownership, but even in that scenario, he's not like a slam dunk. So I think I'll be a little bit above the field on Sample, but it's only because we don't really have any great options that are cheap uh, and he's really not getting any ownership. So I think that I'm going to take some shots on maybe Uzama's really going to be limited, maybe Drew Sample scores a touchdown, has two catches. I don't know. So I'll, I'll take shots there, but it's definitely not a, a high confidence play. Do you have any kicker defense takes? If not, we could jump into talking about the top MVPs, captains. But if you have any hot takes with kickers, defenses, uh, now is your time to share them. I like them. I like both the the, the defenses and the kickers. Um, I'll, I think I'll get to a lot of both of them. They're, I'm seeing at the top of the leverage plays, I'm seeing the Rams defense, Matt Gay, uh, scrolling down, Evan McPherson is slightly positively leveraged. So I think that I'm actually going to get to a fair amount of the kickers and defenses in this game, just because, as we've said several times now, there aren't any really great cheap options that you have confidence in. Kickers and defenses are relatively cheap. They're not, you know, min price, but they're cheap enough that I'm going to have interest there. And I mentioned it early on that I like the idea of being able to pair quarterbacks with the opposing defenses, not because that there's positive correlation. There's obviously negative correlation between a quarterback and the opposing defense, but I think that the negative correlation isn't as strong as the field thinks that it is. So people are really hesitant to play quarterback against opposing defense. And especially in this situation with Joe Burrow and the Rams defense, I could see the Rams just sacking him six, seven times and Burrow still throwing a couple touchdowns and being optimal and having them both in the same uh, optimal lineup and not a lot of people getting there. So I think it's just an, an easy way to get unique is pairing that one in particular, Joe Burrow with the Rams defense, but I'll probably do it as well with Stafford and the Bengals defense. We saw Stafford actually have a some games where he threw a lot of uh, interceptions, pick sixes at the end of the year. So maybe that's an interesting one to play the Bengals defense with Stafford as well. Um, I think, yeah, I, I see the Bengals defense. I missed it before. All four of the kickers and defenses are, are positively leveraged. And I like the idea of pairing both the, the defenses with the opposing quarterbacks, just because I think that the correlation isn't as negative as the field thinks it is. Yeah, so I generally don't love playing defenses in showdown slates. I generally do play kickers a decent amount, though, particularly on DraftKings, maybe less so on FanDuel. But just looking through our projections and kind of giving people an outline of why it makes more sense for this slate, and this goes back to what we are talking about at the top of the show, which how it's hard to find value with it being the Super Bowl because everybody wants to play and all the players had an extra week off to get healthier. But we have... 
Matt Gay is projected for eight and a half fantasy points. Then we've got McPherson projected also for around eight. Then you've got the defenses projected for uh, eight fantasy points for the Rams, a little over six for the Bengals. And then there's nothing. There's a massive drop off. Then you get to the guys like Piran and Henderson that are projected for three fantasy points. That's a fairly big gap going from three to six, especially when there isn't that big of a price gap between the two. So that's the reason why I really find myself getting to the Rams and Bengals. There's so few value options on the slate. It's not hard to envision a scenario where this game, the final score is, you know, like 27 to 24. One of the defenses, say the Rams defense sacks Joe Burrow six times, five times, something like that. Maybe the defense scores eight fantasy points. That's just way more than what you get out of any other value play. I don't like it. I don't love playing defenses because it's once again on a single game slate. There's seemingly more upside in basically any other value, any other, you know, pass catcher, but there just aren't cheap guys to look at. So this is probably gonna be the most I've played defenses on any slate the entire year. Uh, Does that sound about reasonable to you? It does. It's funny because these are both really good offenses. So you would think you wouldn't want to play defenses against them. But in this game, I think there's just there's so little value and the defenses both have ways to get there. We've we've seen Matthew Stafford have trouble with throwing pick sixes, throwing interceptions. Uh, we've seen Joe Burrow get sacked time and time again. So I think it makes a lot of sense to play both these defenses. Yeah. And uh, by the way, we've already got people talking about the backup quarterbacks in YouTube chat. Uh not a path I'm going to go down. It has won a few times this year. I saw someone mention Mariota. He had one that he won. That was last year, though, or, or last season, not, not last year's in 2021. Uh, and then there was a Geno Smith one this year when oh, yeah. Russell Wilson got hurt. And then there was um, Josh Johnson when when Mike White got hurt for the Jets game where the yeah. Jets, it was, it was, uh, it was Zach Wilson was hurt. It, was, it wasn't that somebody actually played the third-string quarterback in that game. Zach Wilson was hurt, so Mike White started. And then Mike White got hurt in the game. Josh Johnson came in and did, and did well down the stretch. So every once in a while, it happens. But it, it seems smart in hindsight. But then you actually go build lineups and you realize what a disaster it is. Because think of it this way. Here are the, here are the variables that need to happen to go your way. And it looks cool when it ends up happening. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't play the backup quarterbacks. But... First of all, you need to know which quarterback is going to get hurt. You forget that there's quarterbacks on both teams. And even in that game, think about it. There's somebody that day who played Josh Johnson, won a GPP, that had the backup quarterback for the other team, uh, somebody else, and was like, oh, my God, I played the wrong backup quarterback today. So you need to know which quarterback is going to get hurt. In addition to that, you need that quarterback to get hurt somewhere early in the game. If he gets hurt in the fourth quarter, it doesn't do anything. And then he actually has to play good. And it's a backup quarterback. Chances are backup quarterbacks are backup quarterbacks for a reason. They're not going to play well. So once or twice a season on a showdown contest, you're going to see somebody win with a backup quarterback. It doesn't mean it's easy. We all know it's not easy to predict, but it doesn't mean that I would view it really as plus EV. And, you know, we've got a couple more minutes to play with you. And it's the end of the season. You know, I want to hang out with you before we say our, our goodbyes. Is that something you ever do is play backup quarterbacks? So something that I used to do, and I understand the play just because uh, you, you need to get unique. And it's something that I did more back before I had uh, really started winning at uh, <laughs> showdown slates. And I kind of thought, well, I don't really see a way to win a lot of money without getting super weird. And this is a really a way that nobody else is doing it. So it's, you know, the, the starter goes down. It's a path to getting a lot of points that nobody else is getting. But I've just I've learned over time that you can win without doing stuff like that, without getting quite that weird. So it's not something that I do this year um, and it's not something that I would recommend doing. And then the other thing, one other point before we move on to talk about our favorite captain slash MVP plays is even though it's really contrarian, it's not as if nobody is doing it. You're still competing with you know, two, 300 lineups or so that have played that same backup quarterback. So if you don't beat out those guys, then all of a sudden it's like, wait, I had a lineup where I played the backup quarterback. The guy got hurt. I hit on everything, but I still came in like 200th. Yep. It's re- it's, it's a really difficult strategy to pay off. Looks cool when it happens up top, but it's uh, not something I recommend doing. Let's talk about the MVPs and the captain plays for, for this slate and who are going to prioritize in the 1.5 X spots for on the Super Bowl. 
Uh, I mean, Cooper Cup is obviously a pretty big priority. He is slight negative leverage in the captain spot on DraftKings, uh, but I'm still going to be probably right around the field. He's just he's such a solid play that it's hard to get away. The, the only reason not to is because he is the most expensive. But like we talked about, he's just he's not so expensive that he prohibits you from making good lineups. Actually, I was looking at my lineups. Uh, just I, I did a quick run to see what they looked like. I had some lineups with Cooper Cup in the captain spot, leaving a bit of money on the table, and the lineups still look pretty good to me. So I think you can you can do that pretty easily. Really like Cooper Cup, and then I we talked about both Higgins and Boyd are guys that I really like in the captain spot. They're both positively leveraged and they're both cheap enough that uh, I think they make sense. Who who are your favorite captains? If I'm paying up, it's Cooper Cup in a landslide. I mean, he has the ability to go out and score 40 fantasy points, just totally break the slate in a way that not many other players do. I guess I could see Jamar Chase doing it, but just the ceiling of Cooper Cup is on a whole nother level. So if I'm paying up, and if you're somebody who plays a single entry line, you're saying, who do I pay up for if you have the ability to? It's Cooper Cup for me. If I'm going cheaper or more contrarian, uh, Tyler Boyd is one that really stands out to me. The other one, too, is the Rams defense. I, there's not that many cheap guys to like, and it's we've already seen a game where Joe Burrow was sacked nine times in a playoff game. And this is a really good Rams defensive line, and I don't like playing defenses in showdown contests in general. So I, this is not coming from a point of bias. It's really just standpoint of there aren't that many cheap players to play. And I see the upside here. It's, it's realistic to see a spot where they get a bunch of sacks. And then what happens? What happens if the defensive line just takes over the game, the Rams get ahead? Well, now all of a sudden the Bengals have to throw the ball more. And what happens the more the Bengals throw the ball? Well, that's more opportunities for sacks, more opportunities to force turnovers, better opportunities for a defensive touchdown. So the most contrarian play that I really like as a captain is the Rams defense. And it's something that I almost never do. But I could see myself getting like 10% exposure to the Rams defense in this contest. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. I mean, based on the tools, projected for 4.9% captain ownership, but optimal 7.4% of the time. I think 10% makes sense for the Rams defense. And they're also they're just cheap enough that they and we talked about this with Skaronic, how how he lets you get to better plays in other positions. Even the Rams, I mean, they're obviously more expensive than Skaronic, but they are more likely to actually put up a decent number of points and they allow you to put in Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, more interesting plays elsewhere. So I really like the idea of Rams at captain as well. All right. That kind of brings us to, you know, usually we close by doing our favorite stacks, but it's, it's a one game slate. There's no stacks to be had. Like, what, what are we doing? We're just picking, uh, well, we're going to go with, you know, Stafford and Cup. So I'll just ask you broad sense, Neil, any, any comments or any thoughts on the Super Bowl that we've not yet hit on? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, the more general sense is because there are no individual plays that I think really make sense to get unique. There's no players that I think are getting just way too little ownership. You can get more unique with your construction, I think, is the way to get unique in this game. So for me, that's going to be, like I said, playing quarterbacks against defense, uh, maybe playing a couple pass catchers without the quarterback. Um, we, we talked about the idea of playing three wide receivers without the quarterback. I'm not sure if I'm going to do that one. It is a way that you can get unique, uh, but it's it's just so unlikely that I probably won't. Um, but yeah, I think you just need to play around with different ways to get unique because the individual players, there aren't you know great players that are under 5% owned. So I think that the better way to get unique most likely is by constructing a little bit differently, making things that make sense, but aren't obvious. All right, that is going to do it for us. This is the final football show that Neil and I are doing together for this season. Last show of the year. Guys, enjoy the Super Bowl. Do us a favor on the way out. Like the video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Enjoy your Super Bowl parties. Have fun. And uh, hopefully you win a million dollars. Hopefully one of us wins a million dollars. But if not, I hope it's one of you guys.